We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And got a great show lined up for you guys today. Before I get to introducing my guest, I just want to tell you about a couple things going on here at Lions of Liberty. Um, as you know, um, we had the the changes with uh, with ownership structure at Lions of Liberty with uh, with Mark Claire moving on as you heard in the uh, the ad at the top of uh, today's show for Mark's new show so check that out but and Brian and I taking over Lions of Liberty and you know one thing we really want to focus on is the Lions of Liberty pride expanding that. And one thing we're doing right now, at least through the end of the year, it'll probably end um, around the end of the year, maybe the beginning of 2023. But if you join on an annual uh, membership for uh, for, page, for Patreon, so if you join and you pay a full year, you're going to get 15% off. That's double what we normally give for an, an annual membership. That also works for upgrades too. So if you're a current Pride member, you, you can upgrade. Or if you're not a Pride member, you, you, can, uh, you can join an annual membership and save 15%. This works for any level um, from $5 all the way up to, uh, to 50 So check that out. And with that said, also I do want to talk about um, some things we have going on at the Lions of Liberty store. Uh, if you don't know, we have a uh, a store where we sell a bunch of Liberty-related merchandise, Lions of Liberty-branded merchandise. Um, we actually have at the top of it, if you go to lionsofliberty.store, uh, we have a holiday section at the top where we have some some beanies. We have our uh, taxation or Merry Taxation is Death mug. We got a, a new uh, Die Hard. Uh, you know, people argue is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not. We have a new Die Hard t-shirt design. So check that out. And of course, we have everything else that we uh, normally have at the Lions of Liberty store. So check that out. And if you join the Pride, of course, you do get a, a discount on items in the store. And I think I forgot to say, but if you don't know, you can join the Pride by going to patreon.com slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com. Let's get into today's show. All right, I am live to the Lions of Liberty Pride and joined here today by my guest, Kate Dinda, also known as Mayor Kate. Um, She ran for mayor as a libertarian in, in a very small town in Pennsylvania and won. And her election, her, her ability to be mayor, is being challenged uh, due to her criminal background. She is a felon. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about what it's like to, to run for mayor as a libertarian and how she became a libertarian. So Kate, welcome to Finding Freedom. Hi, thanks for having me on. Good to have you here. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot to talk about. Um, your story is 
pretty complicated. It's 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 been written up by by Tim Cast, and I've heard you also interviewed on uh, on Cal Matovic's show in Liberty and Health. And there's also you know a, a good deal of, of tragedy in your in your story, which which we'll talk about as well. But before we get into that, um, I like to talk with my guests who are libertarians about how they became libertarians. So I think that's a pretty pretty good starting point. So how did you find liberty? I think it was a long process and it just kind of every, all the events that have happened in my life kind of built on top of each other, led me to figuring out, Oh, this is what all of my beliefs actually align with. Um, so I guess really the, the main part where I started questioning the government and really like, you know, the motivations behind a lot of those things was, um, I was, I was married to a Marine. Um, you know, he was a machine gunner and he was deployed to Afghanistan and all that. Um, and he came home from deployment, a very changed person. And a few years later, he took his own life. He committed suicide. Um, and that's when I really realized like that all of these wars, like that's where like the whole anti-war thing, like really Mm -hmm. like lit a fire inside of me. Like, um, I, I never really, you know, everything's so like glamorized and glorified, like, Oh, go be a hero and all of this. And then you realize Mm -hmm. like what they're actually over there doing. And like when he came home and was telling me like, you know, Oh, I'm guarding poppy fields and all this stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, what, what's really going on over there? And then you Mm -hmm. dig a little deeper and find out, you know, we're just going to all these countries invading their lands killing tons of people over over what like you know some resources that we need or something like Mm -hmm. or just um so that led me down that path and so what what was your what was your like political ideology but before that i guess i always thought i was like i always thought i was like a conservative or like more Mm right-leaning um I just, I I always believe the government needed to be small. Um, My, I don't, I don't know, but like, I didn't agree with like some aspects of it. Like, uh, I guess I'm not, I don't know. Like, I don't Mm want to like force everybody to agree. Like I do. It wasn't like that. I don't know. Um, I'm like drawing a blank here. Sorry. (laughs) Um, no, that's, that's totally fine. That that, that makes sense. Um, like so so hard to put into words, like there's so much like, yeah. So I mean, I I think, I I think that the place to go logically, I mean, you, you talked about all, all of these things that happened in your life, uh, this tragedy that you experienced, you know, kind of led you down this path. So, so, so let's talk about that. You, you talked about your, your, your husband who, who served overseas and then and uh, ended up committing suicide. Um, and then I think if I'm remembering correctly, immediately after that, you experienced another really tragic event. Yeah. So it was, um, it was the night of his funeral um, that I was in a car accident where I struck a pedestrian and they, well, two pedestrians and one of them died and the other was severely injured. Um, so then, uh, like after that, then I was, 
incarcerated. So I was incarcerated for 19 and a half months um, and went through this very lengthy uh, case. Like it was like seven years, I think, before I was actually sentenced. Um, and I had, you know, and me and my husband had a, a, a son at the time. We have a three-year-old. He was three years old at the time. So mm-hmm. like he just lost his father. I was just in this car accident. Now I'm in jail. And it was like, everything was just upside down. And so obviously losing my husband led me down the anti-war path. And then going through the criminal justice system where it was something that I, I never like tried to like deny that happened or anything, you know, like from the get, I'm just like, okay, like Mm -hmm. what I'll just serve my time. We'll just, you know, I never like tried to tried to really fight it or anything. Um, but I was just amazed at how, how crazy the system worked. Like once I was in there, like seeing people in and out and the crimes that people were coming in for, like uh, most of them were just, you know, drug addicts that would relapse on probation or something. And, and I watched a girl go to state prison for stealing a a dollar 99 chicken salad sandwich, like just the the craziest sentences that didn't make any sense. Then there would be someone in there for like, you know, child abuse and they only served like three months. Like none, none of it made any sense. Um, it was just in it, in the people that were coming in and out for like addiction, like they weren't getting any help. They're just like locked, locked up and then they were sick and then they'd go out. And a lot of the girls would, you know, go back out and end up, dying from a drug overdose or something insane and it's like this system is not helping anyone like it's it's hurting more people than it's actually helping um and then Mm -hmm. when you have like like in my case where i just wanted i just wanted to like be take a plea plea guilty be done with it like for that to take seven years is insane to me like there like you would think it would be like okay just let her do her time get it over. so what like what what was their the reasoning for that? Like when it was happening. So so you're you're in jail for for 19 months when this is all ongoing. Like could did you have the? I guess you you had the ability to to post bail. What was there a bail set or how did that work out? My bail was set at fifty thousand cash only. Wow. So then after the 19 and a half months, um, we had a bail reduction hearing and they lowered it down to like 30,000 with a bond plus 5,000 cash. And I had no prior criminal record. Like I didn't have a speeding ticket. So it's not like I was this like habitual offender or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I have a child, so like I'm not a flight risk, but, um, they, eventually lowered it and then I was able to post bail so that's whenever I got out after the 19 and a half months and then after that it was like just years and years and years of the lawyers going back and forth and me kind of just not even knowing really what was going on um because they they never offered me a plea or anything so my lawyer I guess just I don't know argued a bunch of things back and forth and it did end up going to the Supreme Court and like some evidence was thrown out and stuff like that, uh, which then once like every time you file to go to the next court, it's like two years before you hear back. So you have to go through like the appellate and then the superior, then the Supreme mm-hmm. Court and all that. <clears throat> and so finally, like all this evidence was thrown out or whatever. And then they offered me a plea and I was like, 
yes, I'll just immediately like, I'll take this plea. It was the first time they'd offered me a plea. And that was, you know, seven years later. That's so, crazy. <laughs> it, yeah. And my, and my plea ended up being like time served. So I got my 19 and a half months, uh, time served and then probation after that. But it, it was just like so many years of my life. And <clears throat> because of that, like, because I was incarcerated and then out, um, during the time I was incarcerated, uh, my son had to go and live with his grandparents. And then whenever I got out, I still like couldn't get custody back of him because I still wasn't sentenced. So then I had then got put into like this seven year long custody battle trying to like, you know, get custody back of my son. And I'm like, this poor boy just lost his father. And then me to jail, you know, immediately after. And then I just like, so that's another aspect. It's like the family court system is absolutely absurd too. And it's like, so I just saw like all these different angles of the government. And it's like, I don't think I had any choice, but to become a libertarian after that, Mm -hmm. because you just see the flaws and the faults and like, there just has to be a better way to resolve a lot of these issues. Yeah. And and not only did you, you know, did it change your, you know, your, your politics or change your philosophy, but you decided to to run for mayor. And so while this case was still going on before you got sentenced, right, you started your your run for mayor, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, I just, I don't know. I felt like I needed to do something like, like I wanted to do something positive with my life. I didn't want this, like this horrible accident to, I don't know, to be like, okay, well, I don't know. Cause a lot of people, once they have like this felony on their record, they're just like, oh, well, I'm a felon now. I'm this, I'm this. Like, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do something like for other people, like for my community, for my town to just, I don't know, like, rede- <laughs> like, like redeem myself in a way or like, dude, I don't know. I just, I just felt this need to like repay my debt to society in another way because like, I don't feel like me serving time in jail or, or this or that. Like, I don't feel like that's like how you actually repay these things. And that's what like our criminal justice system could really like benefit from, you know, like, uh, what is it? Free the people. They did that documentary about, uh, restorative justice. So like that kind of thing is, it's like so amazing to me that like that, I feel like that would be a much better solution. Like go out and actually help your community and improve it and do things to, I guess, like, not make up for it because there's not really anything I could ever do to, like, you know, make up for what happened. But yeah, I saw. No, but I mean, it, I get what you're saying, and I, I, I mean, I talk about this a lot with my guests that, like, the the system is so broken in so many ways, and like, really, a, a real tragedy in this broken system is that it prevents a lot of people from like you were just talking about, being able to add value to society. And, you know, being able to add value, that's, of course, good for society to, to get value, but it's also good for the, the people who are, you know, 
trying to re- redeem themselves, who, who you know are, are are trying to you know trying to maybe change in some cases. Um, if you have that that block in place where you're not allowing them to add value, not only is it hurting the world, it's also hurt hurting that that individual as well, and probably is going to make them more likely maybe to to do something else because they're they're frustrated and and, and they're beaten down. But I wanted to I wanted to focus in on. Uh, the the town you live in, so the town that you ran for mayor, just to give people an, an idea on the of the the size of it, how many people live in that area. It's a very small town. I think there's maybe like six hundred people in the whole town, um, but everyone likes to be left alone. It's very conservative leaning, so uh, very Republican area. But I say I say they're just libertarians. They just don't know it yet because they really just they they move here to be left alone. And like everybody, like I mean, I wasn't the only. My husband was elected as a libertarian as well, but he also has a criminal record, so he wasn't allowed to serve either. Um, his is, oh wow. So his so is, is he like also does, is he also fighting it too? No, he's not. Um, just because. If my case changes it, like we, well, we've asked our lawyer and he thought my case would be a better one to argue this for. Because if like my case, um, if we get a ruling in our favor, then it will basically open the doors for all felons to then hold office or run for office. You know, like if they get elected, actually be able to serve mm-hmm. um, across Pennsylvania. So okay. it really didn't matter which one of us fought, you know, oh, we just went with our lawyer's advice that it would be my case. Um, and I want to, I want to come back and we'll talk, talk more about the case specifically, but, but <laughs> first I kind of want to talk about what, you know, while we're talking about the town that you're in and I wanted to really, you know, ask about campaigning, you know, because you, you beat an incumbent mayor, right. Or <laughs> so what was that like? Um, you know, what were some of your tactics on being able to talk to people and get your name out there? Um, yeah, just, just, Talk about how you pulled that off. <laughs> um, I think like uh, getting involved in your community, like volunteering in any kind of ways like that is a huge, is, is a great way to like get to know people. And my approach was um, a little bit different. So like, instead of saying, oh, like, here's what I'm going to do for you. I was like, what do you, what do the people of this town want? And I feel like that's a question a lot of politicians like aren't asking. They're telling you what you need. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to do this or this. But I was like, well, what do you guys want to see happen in Austin? What do you guys, like, what do you think our biggest issues are here? Um, We haven't uh, had much, I don't know, guidance or whatever. Like, our borough council, they're kind of just a small town borough council that doesn't really do much. Um, So Mm -hmm. whenever me and my husband were elected and we got in there, we really um we were live streaming the meetings we were getting our community involved uh i volunteer at the food bank so i got to talk to basically everyone in the town you know and see what their needs are what what needs addressed and it's usually just little things like the potholes in the roads or you know like property taxes or things like that and um a lot of the things that the ideas of libertarianism appealed to them because they all, like I said, they all want to be left alone. You know, they, we don't have code enforcement here. We don't have a lot of things like that. I mean, we have ordinances, but we don't have cops. Um, and, and what do you know? 
we have low crime, you know, nothing mm-hmm. crazy happens here. So it's, it's pretty much already a, a very libertarian society. I just don't think they had heard the, uh, that terminology before, you know, like they just never heard that philosophy. Right. Yeah. Most, most people haven't, I mean, they've heard the word and they just think like, you know, oh, those are crazy hippies or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so I'm curious also when, when you were talking to people and you know, your, your felony came up, or I guess at that time, I guess it wasn't a felony cause you hadn't been sentenced yet, but when, you know, when the, you know, the accident came up, um, how did you approach that? Like since it's such a small area and, um, um, this isn't my husband's hometown, but I'm only from like, you know, 10 minutes away. So everybody knows everybody in this area. They mm-hmm. were all familiar with what happened. Um, I had been living over here at the time of the accident. So um, they already, they already knew. And the response that I've got from like all of the constituents was just that, well, you, you already like, you know, did your time. Um, you know, you're like, that's not, that's not who you are. That's just something that happened mm-hmm. in your life. And like things like I had, I didn't really have any negative um, feedback, you know, at least not to my face, but um, and everyone was very supportive. And then even after the fact, like I just, when I went to go vote the other, you know, at this last election, everyone was like, Hey, are you going to run for mayor again? Like, you know, are you going to run for office again at the ne- next election? And I, and we'll just, well, if we just keep electing you, like they can't just keep removing you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I don't know maybe <laughs> like you know um so yeah, I had a ton of support um but like I said everybody already pretty much knew you know yeah well that's I mean that's awesome you had support and I mean that that, that makes sense being in a small town people you know people know you for for who you are um so that's I mean that, that, that's a good thing that the people were able to you know look at look at your character and uh, instead of, you know, instead of looking at, you know, maybe things that had happened in the past. Um, so the actual case against you, I guess, I guess, it, is it a case? I don't know what it is. The, the, you know, they're trying to file to get you, uh, the, the DA is trying to get you to, to not be mayor, right? So how did that process work? How were you notified of it? Were you, were you, it's a lot of questions here, so you can take one at a time. Were, were, were you aware that this was something that could happen when, when you ran for mayor? No, I wasn't. Like, I just did, like, a quick Google search, like, can mm-hmm. felons run for office or whatever, you know? And it was like, oh, yeah, you can run. And I didn't put in, like, state-specific, though, because I was like, okay, well, Google says, yeah, you know? But apparently, mm-hmm. like, in the Pennsylvania Constitution, there's some kind of stipulation but even in the crimes laid out there, it's not clear. Um, and then it's like case law that has determined this. So it's it's like, you know, just somebody's interpretation of words written on paper 200 years ago. Um, but so, no, I, I didn't know at the time. Um, sorry, what were you through a yeah, lot of questions? Yeah, I actually like five <laughs> questions. So. <laughs> Yeah, so you you didn't know at the time, and then so w- w- when were you notified? Like I, I oh, think like they, they they wouldn't swear you in, right? And then you well, yeah, were still able weird. to kind of go around that process and get sworn in. Yeah, so um, it was like the first borough council meeting where I was 
you know, supposed to start or whatever, be sworn in. And I went there and, um, the DA had only called me like two days prior. And he was just basically called me and said like, Hey, um, will you resign? And I was like, well, no, why? Like, you know, and he's like, well, uh, it's come to my attention, you know, that you have this, this felony on your record. And, um, you know, I don't think that you're eligible to serve as mayor. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to call a lawyer and get an opinion, you know, and see what, mm-hmm. what's what. And then when I went to that meeting, they basically just refused to allow me to swear in. Um, and then even afterwards, when I found out that they like, they still had to swear me in that, that there's a whole process they'd have to go to, through to remove me. Um, so I tried to go down and have like the secretary swear me in and she tried to say, Oh, well you have to be, you can only be sworn in at a meeting. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right either. You know, <laughs> like they were just trying to yeah. say all this stuff. And then they rescheduled the next meeting so that it would be past 30 days. Cause if the seat is vacant for 30 days, then it's like, I would automatically forfeit mm. the seat or whatever. So I went to a local notary cause you can go to a, like a notary, a judge or whatever to like get sworn in. So I went to the notary and I swore in at the notary and then I took my paper to go file it down at the borough office and they t- they tried to den- not even accept my paperwork. So I put it in the Dropbox and then I was whatever I was mayor after that. Um, I served for like about six months. Um, I think it was like a month after I got sworn in that I got the paperwork officially from the DA that he would be filing a quo warranto, which is like the term or whatever the, that they use to uh, remove an elected official. <laughs> Sorry. So you served you so- served for six you served for six months, and I guess to just to just to zero in on that, like were you were you able to you know, get things done, or like what, what kinds of things were you able to do to do during those six months? Anything? Um, well, they wanted to hire a cop, and we were able to avoid that uh, because it was just going to be an unnecessary expense for the town. Um, I guess our within those six months, not a lot of things happened. It's like they were very good at <clears throat> did, like uh, putting things off until, <laughs> until me and Andy were no longer there. They would just push it off to the next meeting. And then to the next meeting, like we'd never vote on anything, you know? Hmm. Um, but uh, if anything, I think that the greatest thing that we accomplished was making the people of this town realize the importance of local elections. Um, because like our meetings, like, they've always just been, oh, nobody from the town even goes, you know, like it's just very close. The building's really small. It's really not even like able to hold that, like enough people to be open to the public. Um, mm-hmm. But it got people interested. It got people interested in running for office, running for school board, like, and they really realized the power, especially I think during COVID people realized the power of, you know, your local governments when it came to like all the restrictions that were put in place and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's was like the greatest takeaway I think from us running was just getting, getting the ideas of like, your local air, like your local government is what is more important. It doesn't matter who the president is. It matters more who your mayor is and your mm-hmm. borough council, you know, like, do you like, 
what you pay in property taxes, that's getting determined at the local level, you know, things that really affect your daily life, like whether you're allowed to have chickens or not, or, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. Um, the price of eggs so, these days, that's important. Seriously. I, I know we have chickens in our backyard. <laughs> I wish I did. I, I think I'm allowed to have like two chickens where I live, but it's it's almost worth moving just to be able to have chickens. So I, I did. I did want to read. I found the actual wording of the uh, of the statute, and you know, I'll, I'll just read it. So it says, "No person hereafter convicted of embezzlement of public monies, bribery, perjury." or other infamous crimes shall be eligible to the general assembly or capable of holding any office of trust or profit in this Commonwealth. So it sounds to me, and I'm not a lawyer, but it sounds to me. So they, they mention you know, uh, embezzlement, bribery, perjury, and other infamous crimes. You would think those crimes would be in line with the ones they just mentioned. Not every single crime or every single felony. Um, I don't know. Any, any, any additional thoughts on that now that I read that? Well, yeah. And then that's the like confusing part. Cause then when you look up infamous crimes, it's like all of those same crimes listed again. And like, uh, and the other thing is there is a mayor in Pennsylvania who has felonies, who is serving in office and he's in really? like his second or third term. Yes. So, that that's like the biggest part to me, but because his mm. case was never appealed, it was only determined at the local county court that he was still allowed to serve. Um, it never, you know, it never changed the statute statewide. It's just mm. in York County. So the mayor of York, Pennsylvania has felonies, um, Michael Helfrich, and they ruled that, oh, even though he has felonies, he's still allowed to serve. Yeah, it's also interesting. So this is just in Pennsylvania. So at the federal level, I believe in Congress, you can be in Congress with a felony and there's you know nothing nothing to stop that. So somebody in Pennsylvania could run for Congress, get elected as a felon and go serve in Washington, which then they could make laws in Washington that would impact Pennsylvania. But um, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So where where does the case stand right now? Um, right now, we were supposed to have a hearing in Harrisburg on December 12th, because um, I am appealing this to the Supreme Court, uh, but the DA filed a continuance, so I'm still waiting to hear back uh, on when that new court date will be. Hmm. And while this is ongoing, you cannot, you're not permitted to serve as mayor? Nope. Because like yeah. in the county judge, whenever he had his ruling, it removed me, and then they... Um, the incumbent, uh, like the previous mayor, is the mayor now currently. And they'll—I pr- mean—they'll probably just keep pushing this off because that's 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 crazy. So what what's your? I mean, what's your plan? Obviously, you're you're trying to run this to the ground to to appeal it. Um, you know, say say it comes back and and you can't run for you know they they say you can't run for office. What what would you do then? Maybe I'll just run for Congress. No. <laughs> um, um, but no, I mean, I think just, I think right now um, the the biggest thing going on is uh, 
you know, we're on the verge of World War III. So uh, really getting the anti-war movement back, like, you know, just bringing it back. Like, I feel like there's like this sentiment that's like so pro-Ukraine that people aren't even like, they, they don't even think about like what war really is. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, and plus we've been at, this country's been at war, I think my entire life. So uh, people don't, they don't, they don't seem to grasp like just how like, com- like devastate the, the devastation that, that war brings to people on both sides. Like, it's not just these other countries, you know, that we're destroying. It's, it's the men and women that are being sent to those countries that the government, the U S government is also destroying. And yep. when they come home, <laughs> they come home to a broken VA system that the, the care is <laughs> bare minimum. Uh, typically you have to drive, you know, if you live in a rural area like this, it's, uh, you're, you're going to be driving several hours to even get to whatever VA mm. hospital is nearby. Which a lot of, a lot of veterans do, right. I mean, it's very common yeah. for veterans to live in rural areas. Exactly. And, um, you know, I have been speaking with my son's VA rep, uh, obviously cause he's, you know, a survivor. So he gets VA benefits and stuff. Um, but his, his VA rep just informed me that, uh, Potter County is actually the highest per capita for veteran suicide. So that is obviously an issue that is, uh, wow. near and dear to my heart. Um, so I'm gonna, I mean, and my son's in Boy Scouts, so our Boy Scout troop goes through the VFW. So I'm just gonna start, like, I just want my focus to mainly be on that. Like, whatever I can do locally, mm-hmm. you know, to help, uh, these veterans, because I know that the VA is severely lacking in that department. It's a really frustrating thing. Just, just speaking about like the anti-war movement where just, I mean, not long ago, maybe it is a long time ago. Maybe I'm just getting old, but it doesn't feel like long ago when, you know, when George W. Bush invaded Iraq and, you know, the left, came out very much against that and they were protesting in the street. Um, but if you think back to that at the time, you know, even some of the you know mainstream media was, was more against the invasion at that time. Of course, as things went on and Obama became president, then it became acceptable. Um, and it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to know like how to really change people's minds on it because they are so, they're so brainwashed. I mean, we all saw what happened after COVID started to wind down and people took out of their profiles, you know, their little vaccine needles and replaced them with Ukrainian flags like overnight. It was it was just it was insanity. So like what's what are some 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 ways or ideas that you would to to reach people about? You know, I I think this is being anti-war, especially when we're on the potential brink of a, a, you know, a nuclear war is, is the most important topic. So what are some ways you think people can, can broach that topic? I definitely think it's, uh, it's a hard topic because the second you say you're anti-war, the first thing people think is that you're like against the veterans or against the troops. And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, like that's not what it is at all. Like I being anti-war is the most like pro-vet like you know what i mean pro-veteran stance i think you can take uh because you like you know the suffering that they all go through and 
you don't want more of that. Like, I think the best thing we can do is like, stop making more veterans. Um, but, uh, I know that the LP is putting together an anti-war protest. Um, it will be in January. I think it's January 14th in Washington, DC. So, um, I plan to be out there uh, for that. And I think that uh, the defend the guard legislation is another great way that we can uh, like, you know, push this idea a little bit further and, and really explain things to people better. Like, you know, I know Pennsylvania just sent over 500 guardsmen, you know, they were just deployed um, overseas and it's like, uh, like, where do we, where did Congress declare war? Like, why, why are we sending? Yeah, um, it's, it's supposed to be the, the, the national like, guard, right? Not the international yeah, guard. I exactly. mean, it's changing what it is, I guess, apparently. Right. Um, and I, I don't know how I, I just, I mean, I think people are like mostly like compassionate about our veterans. So being anti-war, I feel like that's just like, and it's a no-brainer to me, so it's hard for me to even, like, think, how do you explain this to others? But um, I know that the suicide rate is no longer at 22 a day. It's more like 44 a day. And wow. that's not even with all the that's, states. Like, can't even, like, comprehend that. That is just, exactly. oh, my God. And, like, not even all of the – all 50 states are even re- recording number those numbers. So even when they had the 22 a day, it was, like, only because, like, 20-something states were actually, you know, putting those numbers out. So mm-hmm. uh, since COVID, <clears throat> the numbers have just skyrocketed. Um, and, so yeah, I, like, I, I just – like, nuclear war is not good for anyone. Like, that should just be, like – that should just be a no brainer. Like, yeah, that's what we're looking at. If we just continue down this path. Yeah. And I mean, even aside from, from nuclear war, um, you know, even just looking at the way that the U S has, you know, responded to this conflict by, you know, obviously, I mean, they've taken the Ukrainian side hard and sent billions of dollars over there. And then with sanctions against, against Russia, you know, you're going to have people in, in Europe and maybe up in New England who, if I mean, I'm, I, who knows that they might freeze to death. Hopefully they don't, but at the very least, their energy bills are going to be through the roof um, because, because in this country, we, we don't allow, you know, we have blue governors who don't allow infrastructure and pipelines to be built that would pump oil and gas from states that are producing it up to areas that aren't, rather they'd rather buy it from Russia or or have it shipped over from from another source, or buy it from Venezuela. So it's 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 just absolutely crazy, and it's hard for me to even imagine any of this changing because the media is so is so captured. And you know, maybe I'm making a bigger deal of this than than I should, but I see a little bit of hope with Twitter and with Elon taking over Twitter. Not that Elon is some like you know freedom loving individual who's, you know, who's going to save the world, but at least he's not like totally captured by this, uh, by, by the elites and the left who are, you know, who are just so laser focused on this Ukraine narrative that is, uh, you know, that's bleeding people dry. So I don't know where I was going with that rant, but I, I felt like that was a good place to put it. In. <laughs> um, so I asked you about what your plans would be if you weren't able to, uh, proceed with mayor. Um, if you are, if you do win, 
I mean, w- would you continue to, you know, run for office again and, and continue down that path? And what, what would be your, your plans that direction? I think if we got a ruling in my favor, um, that I definitely would run for office again and then, um, do as much as I could, obviously for my town, but while also, um, reaching out in other direct, like, I guess like using that, um, to solve bigger issues as well, like outside of that. Cause like, if I, if we, the ruling would open up, you know, any local, any state and local positions then. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe down the line, I would want to run for county commissioner or something, you know, a little bit um, more and uh, really just getting the ideas out and working with other people that are in office to address a lot of the issues. Cause whenever, like I just heard, like, like I said, with the Potter County having such high veteran suicide rates, that is like so alarming to me because it's so rural out here. There's like not really much for people to do. Most people around here, it's like, Oh, just go to the bar or something, you know, like, and that's like the worst Mm -hmm. thing for, you know, somebody suffering with any kind of depression is like to go drink a depressant. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I, I just want to motivate more people to run for office really like that think like we do. I think too many people think, Oh, you have to be some like polished politician that says all the right words and it's like i stumble over my words constantly but people i think are craving real people to run for office nowadays more than more than anything because they just want Mm -hmm. real people representing them yeah i think at at the local level yeah we need we need natural leaders like yourself to step up and and run for office in in your local community and I, i mean i love you know, the initiatives with the Libertarian Party, especially in Pennsylvania, I know they've been very successful with just claiming empty, you know, empty positions that, you know, they're running unopposed uh, to get, you know, get their foot in the door. I think that's great. Uh, I am curious. So you chose the Libertarian Party. Would you ever run for any, you know, any, uh, any position as a Liberty Republican or do you have reasons why you would just stick with the Libertarian Party? Um, I think that's such a tough question. Because, um, I, I mean, there is a guy local to me who is a, liber- a Liberty Republican, and he runs Republican, mm-hmm. and he's considered running Libertarian. Um, I guess, I guess it just depends, because... In my little town, I could run as a libertarian and still be elected. Um, I think too many times, though, we we um, we worry too much about that label next to that our name while we're running, rather than like the change we would actually be able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we were elected, whether it was under an, a Republican or or a libertarian, uh, as long as your principles are the same and like you're pushing the same kind of message. Uh, I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would want to be associated with Republicans though, honestly, because I've just seen so much war hawkery, like, and, but like, that's, that's the big question though. It's like, what, what's more important, like getting into the positions, like to actually make the change or, you know, running Mm -hmm. under 
this banner or that banner. So I don't know. That's I, I think one. that's, that, I think that's a very, a very fair, <laughs> fair thing to say where, I mean, do you even want to be associated with the Republican party? Cause I mean, the Republican party has been responsible for some horrible things. Same with the Democrats and, you know, libertarians, libertarian party hasn't, you know, gotten that power. Um, but I mean, yeah, there's there's libertarians, there's people in the libertarian party who I disagree with wholeheartedly on 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 certain things. You know, there's libertarians who are you know they're they're totally okay with you know drag queen drag queen story hours and and things like that, which I'm very much opposed to. So, I mean, that doesn't make me not a libertarian though. But it's I, I don't know. I, I think as long as you know the 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 goal, the intent. And it, it can't just be to. I, people say to advance liberty, to advance liberty, like that. That has to that has to mean something. Like for example, your your race for mayor, you won, and you got elected, and you were able to stop a police officer from being hired in your town. In my mind that advanced liberty like that's tangible there's a metric there you can look at it. you can look at the money saved you can look at you can look at different you know di- different factors there that advanced liberty but like a libertarian running a statewide senate campaign who you know maybe they get a half percent of the vote and maybe they maintain their their ballot access or or whatever but h- how are you measuring if you're advancing liberty with with that campaign i mean you could point to you maybe some volunteers you got maybe some new people attracted to the party, but it's uh, you understand what I'm, what I'm kind of saying here. It's kind of hard to like build a movement when you're not like you you don't have success defined. Like there's no like because most libertarians are not going to win that type of office at Congress or, or the Senate or even state Senate or state House. So it's mm-hmm. I don't know. It's 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 hard to even figure out how you're going to achieve success if you don't know how to measure success thoughts on that (laughs) well i mean and then we can think back to like uh ron paul ran as a republican would anyone say that he's not a libertarian you know but at the same time where (laughs) i don't know how we ever like the only way we're going to break through, I, I should say, to that next level is by, um, you know, getting elected at the local level and getting out there and showing our ideas. I think a lot of the times, um, maybe too many libertarians uh, spread their ideas only on Twitter or social media, and they don't take mm-hmm. the initiative to actually go out in their community and show people that those ideas work. Um, an example, I guess I could give is like, we, uh, I'm my, my husband is, he, he was way better at this cause he's super. Um, so anytime like people needed things in our community, like it didn't matter how small they were. We were very, uh, quick to give them a voluntary solution rather than like them saying like, Oh, well, the government better mm. come in and do something about this, you know? Like, um, anything small from like people's pipes being frozen or like water lines being broken in their yards. Like my husband would be out there, um, digging up their yards and fixing their water lines, you know, just like for, for free because the allowed to go past a certain point. 
um, and this is a low income area, the high, a very high elderly population as well. So these -hmm. people that like their water would break or their pipes would be frozen in the middle of winter. Um, he would go out and like fix these things for people. And then anytime we got a complaint, we would, uh, like I have my Facebook group or whatever, uh, anytime someone would be complaining on there, um, we would just be like in the comments, like, you know, well, someone, someone would be complaining about junk in someone's yard or something, you know? And it's like, well, why do they have junk? Maybe they, maybe they're elderly and they can't move this stuff or, you know, whatever it is like, and the amount of people in the community that jumped on board with this. And then anytime there was any kind of complaint, it was like, well, why don't we all get together and help them? Like Mm -hmm. that, those kind of ideas, they spread like wildfire, like in the summer, as soon as we got cold patch for the roads, because everyone was complaining about the potholes, Andy was out there with like his truck and a shovel and like whatever, going out there filling the potholes himself rather than like having the borough employees do it. Um, And then, but, but every time he would go out to do that, people would pull over and like help, they'd get out and help him. So then there'd be like five or six guys all out there patching the roads like no one's getting paid for this they're just doing it to better the community you know like mm-hmm. they're already paying for the cold patch with their tax dollars basically so like you know yeah. it was just, and it was just really nice to see like all of those kind of things just like happening all over town uh like fixing the yeah. bridge and stuff he's a welder so he's um, well he's a jack of all trades but you know like he fixed the bridge whenever it was broken and we didn't have to hire somebody to come out and do that. We didn't have to waste anyone's tax dollars to do that. And, uh, and it was just really, uh, it was really nice. And then it just kind of, like I said, like, you know, created this ripple effect where people stopped saying like, well, the government better do something about that, you know? And they just like came together more as a community. That's really cool. And, you know, it really resonated with me. You were talking about, you know, people, if people have junk accumulating in their, in their yard, you know, the, the reaction of a lot of people is of authoritarians is, well, we gotta, we gotta find them. We gotta find them. So they clean that up. But, you know, you're saying uh, makes so much sense. A lot of these people, you know, yeah, maybe they don't have a job. Maybe they lost, lost their job. Maybe they're elderly and, and you know, they, they, they're not able to, to clear the junk. Finding them is going to do nothing. All that's going to do is add on to, you know, what they're already dealing with and make their life worse. But yeah, if you can get your local community, your neighbors to come together to help someone out, lift them up, that's what it's all about. And, you know, that's, it, I think that that's an area where libertarians can really make an impact because that is living out your, your values. I think that's, that's, that is the way forward, in my opinion. I think so. Yeah. So I did. I did want to ask you, Kate. Um, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and you know, you don't have to answer this question because it's going to be open ended. But um, is there anything that you know I didn't ask you about that you were hoping to be able to to, uh, to talk about today, um, or is there anything that you just want to uh, kind kind of reinforce um, before we uh, before we end the interview? Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess just what we last touched on that. I just really want to see more libertarians, like, you know, getting active in their communities and like Mm -hmm. showing people our ideas through our actions rather than just like 
hey, read Rothbard or like, hey, go read economics in one lesson. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we've tried that approach for a long time. And I think the best way to get the liberty movement, like just up and off the ground is like to go out and and show people in real life that our ideas make the most sense. Um, You know, and you can do that in a million different ways. Uh, I know whenever I like whenever I was in jail, you know, there was all kinds of people volunteering to come in and and uh, really like like get, like with their time, I guess. Um, like there's different ministries that do like uh, you know prison outreach and stuff. And I feel like there's just so many avenues that we could be reaching people and really just exp- I don't know and like and just showing them like that that community is like not in a communist way mm-hmm. either. Like, you know, like in a Liberty way where we're like, this is more important than the government having to come in and do it for us. Uh, I don't know that I kind of just rambled and didn't make much sense. Yeah, but, no. Um, mean, it, and it's, it's, it's work. So it, it's a lot more work than, than, you know, sending a tweet. So, it's 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 more difficult to get people to do it, and I, I'm you know I'm I'm at fault for that too. Sure, I do a podcast, but you know I, I could do a lot more, a lot more volunteering and, and a lot more you know stuff to actually be active in my community, and 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 you know I'm, I plan on doing that going forward. But it's uh it's it's really it's really a mindset change, and it's it's living out your values, and you know maybe it's time to you know stop being so critical of our neighbors. And understanding that we're not going to change their minds by, you know, throwing a uh, 500 page Rothbard book out the window into their front lawn, um, rather by, you know, going and shaking their hand and, and, you know, helping them with, you know, with something they're working on. So, no, I think that's, I think that's spot on, 100%. And b- before I let you go, Kate, um, if you want to share um, your social media, handles or maybe you don't maybe you don't want people <laughs> reaching out to you but if you want to or or any other thing you want to plug um yeah i'm just i'm mayor kate on twitter uh that's about it though <laughs> okay but yeah thanks for having me on. yeah thanks for coming on the show and yeah definitely keep us up to date on you know what happens with your with your your fight taken to the supreme court and Hopefully you win. And if you do, honestly, I mean, you could change politics in this state forever. So that would be a pretty, pretty awesome legacy. It'd definitely be awesome for, you know, some criminal justice reform in that aspect in PA. Give people a second chance. All right. Thanks, Kate. Thanks. All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that interview today with Mayor Kate. Um, You know, I think really what I've talked about a lot with libertarians, you know, with people sympathetic to the ideas of liberty, people who are in favor of more freedom. Um, I've, I've talked a lot about getting involved locally um, if you want to be involved in politics. Um, so rather than running for Congress or U.S. Senate under the LP banner, um, run for a local office, run for your school board, run for mayor like Kate did. You can do that as a, as a Republican or, or as a Libertarian and uh, get, get involved and change, change things locally where you know people in your community and uh, get out in your community and get to know people. I need to do a much better job of doing that myself. So I, I think that is 
the way to change things. And obviously, Kate talked about her situation where you know she's pretty much been forced out of being mayor because of the felony that is on her record. But even in the short time that she was mayor, um, she did make some actual tangible changes, but it was able to stop some things from occurring that would have occurred otherwise. So it's not that I'm against you know people running for a governorship or a um, running for senator or running for president. I think there's a time and a place for things like that. And I think those are ways to to sort of message and bring people into the movement um, in, in certain ways, uh, ways to grow the movement. But, you know, I do think that a lot of people kind of blindly go into running on a libertarian party ticket without really thinking through what the cost benefit is, you know, how they're even going to measure success for the massive investment of time and, uh, and resources of other people who are helping them. Um, you know, how are they going to determine, you know, what the value return was on that? It's, it's almost impossible because we're not, (laughs) we're not measuring, um, those races in, uh, in wins. You know, you're not, you're not coming out victorious from one of those, uh, libertarian party campaigns. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. But anyway, that's enough of a rant for me. I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I hope everyone is having an excellent beginning to the holiday season. I know that uh, myself and my family, we are, um, we went out, we, we got our Christmas tree, put it up, decorated it, had an awesome time this weekend. And, uh, it's good. It's starting to feel like Christmas around here. So whether you celebrate Christmas or not, hopefully um, you have some some time off and some time with family and friends and people you love uh, to spend with here when we come up to the end of the new year. So yeah, uh, it's a couple weeks left. A couple weeks left in 2022. Hard to believe. Um, I'm ready though. I'm ready for 2023 and the challenges and uh, the opportunities that will come with that. So i got a couple episodes of Finding Freedom left in the year, and uh, I will see you all next week right here, same place, whether you're watching or listening uh, through the Lines of Liberty Network feed or through the Finding Freedom solo feed. I appreciate it. Please, wherever you listen, please subscribe and share the show. With that being said, this is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is liberty burning.